This is Pod Populi, podcast for the people. Hello, and welcome to The Franchise Life. I am your host, Stacey Shannon. Today's episode will focus on the importance of marketing, specifically digital marketing for small businesses. And joining me today is Jason Bryan and Michelle Picard from the Bryan Marketing Group located in Jupiter, Florida. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you for having us. Okay, so I am super excited about our topic today because marketing is absolutely vital to the success of any business. I have personally owned several businesses, one a brick and mortar and two home-based businesses. And the success of all of those was largely dependent upon gaining digital brand awareness to attract my clientele. So before we dive in to our topics today, I would love for each of you to share a little bit about yourself and the Brian Marketing Group. Well, I might jump in and start first. Uh, Jason's the real expert, so I'll just get my, my little intro out of the way. Uh, Michelle Picard, uh, recently fired by one of the world's greatest athletes. I worked for uh, Bo Jackson for a couple of years, and uh, I just did not find my sweet spot in life working at a great company. But um, I moved on, met Jason, and uh, really found my niche here with digital marketing and, and, and working with a team here to build the sales. But uh, Jason is the all things expert in, in digital marketing. I am more of a relationship guy. I like meeting with people, sitting down and chat with them about what they need and, and hooking them up with the, the right solution. And I think too, I mean, when you really kind of get down to it, the marketing side is the prelude to really building the relationship and making sure that we have that down. And my background for the last decade or so has been designing and developing platforms um, in specific niche markets. So uh, we started in the automotive industry, migrated into the insurance world, worked in the healthcare industries for a number of years. And then um, when we realized that we seemed to be okay at this lead generation online digital thing, um, we decided about three years ago that we would get into um, specifically doing it for other people's brands. Um, and really our niche being um, developing relationships, a lot of times it'll be on a local level. Um, sometimes within some of our own personal projects, they'll be national, but um, really echoing the, the sentiment that relationships matter. Um, but ultimately getting that catalyst that starts the relationships has ultimately been um, what we help businesses do. We help them get that initial contact, uh, get the exposure that they need, and, and make sure that that exposure is authentic and it's who they are. Um, and with the, with the onset of a lot more social presence being part of that equation, uh, make sure that they're getting their message out both um, in an organic way, but also in a paid way. So when you speak lead generation, exposure, digital marketing. I mean, all of that is speaking my language, not only for my consulting business in helping people explore franchise opportunities, but in those that I help invest in a business. So, okay. So we're going to focus on franchising. We're focusing on small businesses I, I did look at your website and uh, some of your case studies that you have listed out there. And a couple of the stats uh, uh, say 56% of U.S. consumers connect with brands on social media to receive promotions. 
And 80% of business executives agree that social media is important for branding. So do you feel social media is a great place to start our discussions and the importance for small businesses? I think social media is one of those things that is, it's a necessary evil to some businesses. And I think a lot of business owners actually see it that way. It's the conversation that that ultimately starts with, oh man, I know I really need to do a better job at this, or I need to make it a priority, or I need to invest more time or energy, but I just don't know how to dance that good. So I can't be on TikTok or, you know, I don't really, you know, um, I feel like that's for my kids or, you know, and I, I've had this nephew or this niece and and they ran it for me, but it just, um, it didn't feel like our brand. And so um, I, I would say, depending on the need of the franchise owner or a need of the business owner, um, a lot of times it's a, it's a very normal place for us to start. Um, it's also the most visual of all of the different types of, uh, of marketing that we suggest to our clients. It's something that they can actually see. They can make sure that it, it really captures the essence of their brand. Um, but it's oftentimes one of the things that is the longest tail to see a, an actual return. Um, when you're starting from nothing, it, it, it takes time to build following. It, it takes time to build trust. Um, a lot of times on the organic social play, meaning the not pay to play or not advertising on those particular platforms, um, it really is organic in nature. And it's the kind of who's who of, of digital advertising. So if my friend Michelle here um, likes Bo Jackson and I also like baseball um, and Bo Jackson sells a particular type of, let's say fish or a particular type of whatever Bo Jackson sells, it's kind of a guilty by association. I might try it because Michelle, I see on his platform, is buying into this idea mm -hmm. that that it's a it's a quality product. But but if I just happen to stumble across it, I might not think, wow, seafood from Bo Jackson, that sounds like it it's a it's a great combo. Um so I, I think it really depends on the the entrepreneur and, and the the business owner as far as what their goals are. Um, generally, if somebody comes into us and says, hey, I really, you know, I have a, a, a tight budget and I want to make sure that it, it goes the furthest, we might steer that that um, potential prospect of ours into maybe more of a, of a Google Play or something like that. Um, generally, because that's a consumer who is actually showing interest and typing in for themselves that I'm looking for seafood or I'm looking for whatever it is that, that I'm searching for. So the actual intent is started by the consumer versus more of an impulse on social media. Um, but it generally, again, it for, for the, the entrepreneur, for the business owner, it really depends on their heartbeat and, and, and whether or not they feel like their particular um, service offering or their particular product um, is best suited to, to be launched or started through a, uh, a, a social media platform. Okay. Well, let's go ahead. I know I jumped to the social media topic, but let's go ahead and take a step back. And I'll just kind of set the stage, give you a scenario. And I'd love for you, Jason and Michelle, to share what you think a proposed plan would be in that, in that situation or scenario. So many of the individuals that I work with that invest in a franchise it is certainly always my goal to, to when I'm vetting franchise brands, to look into what their marketing support is. So certainly, I mean, the beauty of investing in a franchise is you have a proven business model 
the branding is already there. You have a website that you would, in essence, have a local page off of the corporate site. But many times, what you'll find is that the franchisor or the brand will say, we want you to spend a minimum of 5000 a month on local marketing. And then it's up to the individual business owner and how they implement and go about that spend. And that's where I think people are like, oh my gosh, you know, what do I do? There's all these different things. There's pay-per-click ads. You mentioned Google. There's pay-per-click. There's social media. There's, I mean, this goes beyond digital, but I mean, you can have door hangers. You know, what do I do? So in the scenario where it's a small business, it's a local business, let's talk here in Palm Beach County. I want to market in Palm Beach County. I already have my website, my logo. I am a home services business, a home-based business model. I don't have a brick-and-mortar storefront. Where would we begin? I think the first thing for us when we are courting a client um, the, the, one of the, the big things that we ask is, is the product or service, if it's a home-based business, is it what we would consider or what most people would consider Googleable? And we, we kind of use that word loosely and it's, I don't even know if it's a real word, um, but if it's Googleable, if it's something that somebody might be searching for, then generally we tell people that we prefer to start with the, the paid search elements, meaning we want to make sure that that when somebody types in whatever that service is or whatever the product is, that it comes up. Now, in the instance that you, you're a home-based business and let's say that your product or service is very unique, um, we have a, a particular uh, company that we work with that creates a marine tool that opens gas caps on boats. Um, not too many people are Googling marine tool that opens gas caps on boats, right? Um, and so something like that, we would probably start off and, and we, would, we would go a slightly different, call it thought leadership or um, a, a direction that really explains the product better. Um, so if it's a home-based business and it's something that, that might be, let's just call it down here in South Florida, we'll say pools or pool cleaning or, or it's landscaping or it's um, something that, that people would actually look for online. Generally, I would say, Michelle, I mean, when you're, when you're out there with clients, do, do you find that that's, I mean, generally what we're doing is we're suggesting to them that, that they should be starting with something like that, or uh, is, it, is it different when you guys are out in the field? No, I mean, just to reiterate what you said, we, we like to find out what works for the, cust the client, right? I mean, if they have a Googleable product or a service, then we're going to start there. Um, if they're going to be more of an uh, impulse buy or maybe something that's highly demonstrable, something that you need to see a video to better explain what this product is, um, maybe a social play would make more sense for something like them. But at the end of the day, we, we don't push people into one product right away. Um, if they have a national product, something that could be shipped nationally or uh, electronically delivered, you know, that could be a, a completely different play over an affiliate network that we work with. So, you know, it, it just comes down to what makes the most sense for the client. Yeah, and, and most of the businesses uh, I would be speaking of are more service-based businesses. That's going to be a service that's performed locally, right? So your example of pools, uh, cleaning pools, that is a perfect example of a home-based business model that is very competitive in the markets marketplace today, and you need to be able to differentiate yourself somehow. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think generally for a service-based business like that, what we're looking for or what we're hoping that the franchise owner or the, the business owner might tell us is this is what makes us not just different, but this is what makes us, um, I don't want to use the word marketable, but this is what, what gets us in the door. Uh, because let's face it, in a pool service business, I'm inviting you either into my home, into my backyard, where my kids and my dogs and 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 where we spend time. And so that's important. And so things that, that affirm trust and things that affirm um, why we should be allowing this strange person to come into our house and or come into our backyards, um, quite literally, um, the, the messaging has to do with some sort of hook that gets us involved um, and take an actual ownership of, of why this particular service is um, is the one to go to. And then you'll find with other services that, that are maybe a little bit less personal, um, you'll find that the hook is generally, or it, it may be what we call like a loss lead that gets us in the door and allows us to to um, to sell another service. So in the instance of, of pools, I would imagine, and I'm, I've never uh, owned a pool business, but let's assume that I I was talking with the pool owner. There's probably lots of different ways for them to make money. They're going to make money servicing the pools, perhaps in installing new pools or doing resurfacing of some sort. So there's there's all kinds of additional revenue opportunities. So if there was, you know, the first service or the 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 consultation or some sort of compelling reason to do something today, those are all things that we would really be looking for the client to provide us with a little bit more information on, so that we could. Um, give the consumer a compelling reason to click right now versus to go on to, to the next person's ads. I think a lot of small business owners, if they want to approach digital marketing on their own, none of these people say I got into pool cleaning so that I could start advertising. The, the orthodontist didn't get into putting braces on kids 25 years ago thinking social media was going to be a thing, right? So um, a small business owner, take the pool example, uh, if they want to explore running Google ads, they can do that. But what they're going to find is that this big world of advertising doesn't have a starting point for them. And if they were to start somewhere, they don't know if they're spending their money wisely. So I think the value of, of sitting down and talking with a team of people that their business is advertising is that you can get on a track that looks like a real well thought out plan with a budget and uh, deliverables with a whole team behind it. You know, we've got photographers, videographers, website builders, we, the whole team that's necessary to specialize in what they do. And that guy who's cleaning pools doesn't want to learn how to do graphic design to create a compelling offer. He doesn't know market research in the area necessarily. And so he wants to just offload that burden onto somebody who could take care of that for them. And in order for us to create a compelling ad, it's not just about differentiating the company or finding a financial incentive for a first-time purchase, but it's in actually tracking and measuring the results of these ads. And when we run ads, we run ads, plural. Um, a business owner might only think to run an ad. And what we do is multiple different ads. We A-B test these things. Small changes in the ads can actually create quite a different result. So when you have a company um, that's got probably 15, I'd say what, 15 years of, of experience in this space in one way or the other, doing this, that's so many years of, of trialing different uh, changes in the ad. And we track and measure everything from start to finish so that we know exactly what the ROI is on each of these ads. And then we have a full-time staff person that's actively monitoring the keywords that we're using within Google to, to reach the right person. And 
where some business owners might think just running an ad on Google for pool cleaning might make the most sense. Well, that's what all the pool cleaning guys are doing, right? Mm -hmm. So the bids become more and more difficult to actually uh, achieve and, and get to the, 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 well, at least convince Google that you're the right ad to show. So there might be some other ways that we can go about doing that. And this definitely is not my expert area, but I do know, so on your website, you show you're a Google Premier partner. So, but I know as an individual, I can go out and create a Google ad, right? So what, what value to me as a small business owner is you having that Google Premier partner accreditation and insight? So Google offers a lot of different accreditations, and I, I think that the, for a lack of better words, just the, the practical real-world experience that we have, um, and honestly, whenever you're choosing a marketing agency, I, I think that just asking a couple of questions and making sure that they really understand what it is that um, makes the Google game work, um, specifically when we're talking about paid search, there's a giant misnomer that I really, I, I, I hear in almost every conversation that I have with uh potential clients and clients. And it's this, this notion that Google is inherently expensive and it can be. Um, and Google is all about the click, the cost of the click. It's PPC, it's pay per click. And so Google is, is just interested in jacking the, the, the cost of the click as, as high as they possibly can. And the reality is, is that's really not how Google makes money. Yes, they get paid on a per click model, but it's only true in the instance that there was only one click that Google cares how much the click cost outside of any other influence. So let me give you an, a, a, a for instance. So we're, we've been talking about pool companies and let's just say that the, somebody types in uh, pool companies and uh, Michelle has a pool company and I have a pool company um, and we're competing for that same click. Now, if we both were bidding and I bid $1 and Michelle bids $5, if there was only ever to be one click, logically the $5 click should come up first and the $1 click should come up second. Um, and, and that's fine um, when you're only talking about one click. Now think, what's Google really want to do? Google wants to make money for Google, right? Just like any business would want to make money for their business. So if we said 100 people type in local pool companies, and Google shows my ad 100 times and they show Michelle's ad 100 times. Um, what does Google want to know? How much money did I make when I showed Jason's ads 100 times and Michelle's ad 100 times? So using the same analogy, if Michelle was bidding $5 a click and I'm bidding one, when they showed 100 you know, pool cleaning companies in, in, a, in a specific market, if Michelle's got one click out of 100 potential clicks and I got 20, Google made $20 off of my 100 impressions and only made $5 off of Michelle's 100 impressions. And so that kind of debunks this thought that it is just simply about the cost of the click. It's also about the quality of the ad. So in that instance, if my, and we'll just be silly with it and say, Michelle's ad says, I'm the most expensive pool company, guaranteed, right? And mine said, I'm the least expensive pool company, guaranteed the propensity of somebody to type on my ad versus Michelle's would obviously be much higher. Um, and we're, we're just talking about price in this instance, but there's any number of things. It could have to do with saltwater pools. It could have something to do with a particular type of pool or a particular neighborhood. Maybe there's specific HOA rules that only allow for certain pool companies to go into certain neighborhoods. It could be any number of things that, that make it so that 
my particular neighborhood is listed in the ad because I typed in pool companies in my neighborhood. Um, and so naturally, I think that when the when the advertiser, ultimately our client, starts to think about how Google makes money and they realize that I can actually get more clicks for less money if the ads in the ad campaigns are created in a way that makes um, makes Google more money and ultimately makes me more money, it really does kind of align the interests. But most people do, um, and Google creates these campaigns for us called smart campaigns where the average business owner could go online and launch a campaign in 15 minutes, but they're not considering all of these different variables and the different types of ads. Um, and, and you know, the second most searched site outside of the adult world um, you have Google number one and number two, you have YouTube and Google owns YouTube. So there's an entirely different equation that starts to come into play when you throw YouTube into what we call a search campaign and you're saying, okay, Google also shows video responses when it comes time to show the, the responses that somebody's searching for. So lots of different variables come into play, but, but being a certified partner or being any sort of of partner with with any organization, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, which is now this metaverse thing, and and you have Google and you have TikTok and you have you know all these different platforms. You know, really finding a marketing agency, whether it's us, which we'd hope, um, but certainly if it's not us, just making sure that when you vet these marketing companies, that you're speaking real language and that they're able to articulate not just that they can get your ad shown, but that they can present a, a case study, a value study. Um, for whatever it is that you're going to spend on Google. Um, and kind of bigger than that, and I know I'm kind of sucking up all the time on this one, but um, there's one more piece that I think is really important when it comes to advertising on Google. Google now gives you the ability to track what they call conversions. And conversions can be anything, anything that you can assign on a website. So it could be a completed form fill. It could be a phone call. It could be a sale. And so this idea that Google has to be expensive, I think is 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 kind of a fairy tale if and it really only comes into play if you're not doing it right and so in, in my analogy like let's say that michelle owned the pool company and and he figured out how to get clients for five dollars um if i it was courting the michelle relationship as a as a business client of ours and michelle asks me what should my google budget be then as the as the marketing agency i already know i didn't do a good enough job explaining to michelle that there really shouldn't be a budget if I'm doing my job the right way. Because if I can print new pool clients for him for five bucks, it's, well, how many of those can I get? You know, and then it's just a function of staff and time and whatnot. But, but generally, if we're doing a good job, there really shouldn't be a budget and it shouldn't be expensive. It should be something that really be, belongs in like a cost of sales or a cost of goods sold and really should go up as your Google budget goes up and we, we kind of laugh internally about it. And we have this gumball machine at the office and we say, when we put a quarter in the gumball machine, as long as we get a gumball out, there's the opportunity just to keep putting more gumballs in. And so sites like Facebook, Google, um, they all give this new metric where you can actually track conversions. You can track forms and phone calls and sales. So if whatever marketing company um, you're working with or you're courting doesn't bring into consideration this idea of being able to track very meticulously what it is you're getting for your ad dollars, then I would I would just question whether or not it, it's potentially the best fit. Fascinating. And you just took away my next question on what is a good budget? So <laughs> we'll just, 
I think I should stay away from that probably, but um, no, it is. Okay, go ahead. You, no, have- <laughs> there, there, you know, what's a very, a, a very interesting way to think about it is maybe what, what might be a good pilot budget, because naturally we didn't arrive at the fact that Michelle got $5 pool leads without testing a number of different things. And if we're going at pool cleaning or we're going at pool installations and not all leads or, or all phone numbers are created equal, you know, a $5 pool cleaning might be wonderful, but you know, you might be willing to spend $500 on a new pool installation. So um, it's really more of creating that initial pilot budget. And generally you can do it for, for really not expenses. I, I would say, you know, anything larger than 30, 40, 50 bucks a day, you're, you, you could well be wasting um, a pilot budget. And on a site like Google or Facebook with how quickly things happen, um, while the ads are live, which doesn't, you know, it may take a month or two months to create the ads and create the landing pages and whatnot. But after the ads go live, I mean, you should be able to make meaningful decisions, you know, every couple of weeks at the, at the latest, if not sooner, um, based on just a very small budget. And then once you've dialed that in to where you know that the cost of conversion is where you need it to be, then that's really where you can kind of turn the, the knob up and, and create scale that goes with that. We, we'll, we usually internalize it and we call it a pilot budget. This is really, truly fascinating to me because my my business thrives on lead generation and connecting with new individuals throughout the U.S. wanting to invest in a business. So I do find this stuff fascinating. So let's transition off of Google and tackle social media. And so you've we've mentioned Instagram, we've mentioned Facebook. You mentioned YouTube, which is the one platform I am not on ever. (laughs) And so I am interested out of, and there may be more that you're thinking of, but from a social media standpoint, when you're thinking of lead generation, and we can stick with the pool example, um, what what is your go-to approach in that area? So there's, we really break it into probably like three or four quadrants and I'll just, I'll hit them very quickly. We, we have two different types of what we call organic campaigns, um, static campaigns, which we would say, just think pictures, not video, just pick pictures, static pictures. And so that would be great on things like, uh, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, or not TikTok, I apologize. Um, LinkedIn, Pinterest, those are great for static stuff. Then we have our organic video platforms, which are going to be things like Instagram Reels, YouTube Shorts, um, TikTok in that instance. So anything video related. And and the video side of it really is kind of the up and coming we're finding. Um, And so when you look at something like a YouTube channel, um, it's really broken into two pieces that the the YouTube Shorts are really more of that like fun scroll type of um, you're just going to based on your history and the things that YouTube finds that you're interested in, they're going to make suggestions as to things you may like versus um, an actual YouTube channel that might come up in an actual search query where somebody's looking for, you know, do it yourself, uh, pool cleaning. Right. And so on the, on the DIY stuff, you're going to get a lot of, of, of value on the actual channel building side of it. Um, but we see all of that as organic, which simply means it's going to take some time. It's going to take, um, that kind of guilty by association. So anytime that you can hitch your wagon to somebody else that has credibility within that specific niche, it's something that we absolutely recommend. And then obviously you have all of the paid side of it. So that's back to 
you know, really more of a, a YouTube ad campaign, which can be broken into. Um, generally, we look at it in three different bites, a six second ad, a, a 15 second ad, and then a however long you want it to be kind of ad, um, as well as your Instagram and Facebook ads, which can be video or static. It just kind of depends on on what it is. And even a product category or a, or a, a product catalog, I should say, where you can actually check out now on Facebook or check out on Instagram. And so if you have an actual product, um, especially um, the national stuff, it, you can find a lot of value um, on, on those platforms. So it really depends on what the, um, what the business owners is going for. And I, and I find, especially within the franchise community, if the franchise will allow you to have your own um, organic uh, social media accounts, I find that there's a lot of value in that. Because the authenticity of, of what a local brand has, I think, is um, it's not something that is generally marketed by a, a larger corporate entity. They, they sometimes can forget that, that the organizations are people in a lot of instances, and those relationships that Michelle talked about earlier come into play, and it keeps people coming back you know, the, the relationships that are built. So in the instance that you can develop that, I always suggest that, that you, you do. Yeah, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly on the personal social media at a local level. Uh, I know within the franchise industry, uh, there's two schools of thought on that, right? The corporate office many times wants to maintain control of the branding, and so they do not allow for that. But then there's many other brands out there that do allow for the local presence. And having owned a spin studio in the past, um, I know how important that was to be able to show the clients coming into the studio and engaged in the studio. And so when others, you know, within the community saw their friends or their family members there and the fun and, you know, the achievements they were having, that all is goodness for the business. Absolutely. And it, and it creates a, um, a sense of community. And I think especially like in a spin class, you, you really, the enchantment of going is, is both your friends, but also the instructors. So the individual instructors, and I really love that playlist, or I really like that that particular person does something a certain way, or they, they encourage me the way that, that I, I need to be encouraged, or, or they're easy enough on me because I'm, I'm a beginner. W whatever it is that gets them motivated, I think that, that um, from a corporate level, it's really just hard to, to grasp or hard to, to package uh, individuality with it. But I, I think that in the instance that Again, you have the autonomy to be able to do that. I It would be something that I would suggest to the max. Absolutely. So, Michelle, some other nuggets. What what can you share with small business owners investing in a business and looking at their marketing budgets? Well, being the relationship side of this business, uh, I sit down with the business owners in their business or I invite them to our studio sometimes, and whatever makes the most sense for them. And, and we just chat through what they're doing. One thing that I want to touch on, which Jason was chatting about a little bit before, was you know when it comes to social, right? A lot of these business owners haven't really sat down and thought through how to define success in their social media campaigns. What is success? And usually the response is, well, the number of views I got, how many people saw it? And I said, that's great. You know, but does that translate to money? And then they always have the same moment where they, they have to reconcile, maybe I didn't approach this the right way. And so, you know, from me to a business owner, I'm looking to guide them into 
what kind of marketing actually translates into dollars for their business? Not necessarily views on their account, although those, those two things could go hand in hand, and they, they certainly will when you're teamed up with the right people, but um, they, they don't always correlate views to uh, sales. And so I would chat with them about what's really at the end of the day, why, why are you in business? It's not just money, but it's what money represents, right? And giving your family a great life, but it has to translate into dollars. And so I find that to be an essential part of that conversation when I sit down, pool cleaning company or med spa or barbershop, anything, anything, absolutely anything. They all know they need to do social media, but for what? Right. No, that's an excellent point. Understanding what the the desired outcome is before you implement that strategy. So let me ask you another question with regards to social media. And, and this, it may not be a one-size-fits-all, and I'm assuming it's not, but where do we predominantly see decision-makers uh, making their decisions on those various platforms? I agree. It's probably not a one-size-fits-all. I think it depends heavily on the brand and the type of brand and, and ultimately the target market. Um, I, just like on Google, on Facebook, on Instagram, on TikTok, um, and if you wanted to lump YouTube in there as well, uh, you can really be very specific on your on who you're targeting on the paid side. On the organic side, it has a lot to do with um, the engagement, your hashtags, the way that you engage with your with your clients, and then ultimately the 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 people and the um, the people that look like me, the people that act like me, the people that act like the people I want to be like. Um, those are the people that ultimately people follow. And so, from an organic perspective, it's making sure that that is of the conversation and creating the account from the get-go because what we found is you know a lot of times it'll be an account will be started by the business owner or somebody in the business owner's family and it doesn't it, it's hard to go backwards it's hard to to establish a new kind of consumer base and so if it's planned out well from the, from the beginning i think it's it's so much easier to be able to accomplish the goal of of engaging with people that will actually engage back um, and then on the paid side, it's just like the question that you asked about Google. If if it's set up correctly, it can really be an awesome way to um, to scale and monetize um, whatever the product offering or the service offering is in a very controlled way, demographically, geographically, um, and, and ultimately be a, a, an incredibly valuable piece to, uh, like Michelle said, the just increasing that bottom line and making sure that the dollars go and correlate with the effort that's going into it. Excellent. Okay, let me, uh, do you, on a last note, with regards to social media, do you see this as, on all the platforms we've discussed today, as a growing trend in marketing, or is any one of those independently, do you see some of them waning off? No, I mean, social media is certainly growing. Um, you just have to figure out where your, your audience is. You know, if you're advertising or, or, or marketing your business on TikTok, let, let's hope that your customers are 10 years old. Um, you know, if you're, if you're looking for professional services, That's a good point. Uh, you might want to focus on LinkedIn, but uh, I don't see too many people on LinkedIn that are also on TikTok. But, you know, each, um, each platform has their own demographic and you don't need to go everywhere to get your customer. Your customer lives on maybe one or two, maybe three. Uh, if you've got quite the product range and, and quite the... Uh, demographic for a customer, then yeah, maybe it might span all the different social media platforms. But um, if you are cleaning pools, I don't know if there's too many 12-year-olds out there that are going, 
boy, I just, I just need a, <laughs> I need a better pool guy. That's what I um, want to do when I grow up. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I'm glad you mentioned LinkedIn because I would say that is one platform from a business perspective I am on constantly. Do you guys do work in that area as well? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and, and both on the organic and the paid side, there's all kinds of opportunity to be very specific and very targeted on LinkedIn. All right. Well, fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Jason and Michelle, for joining me today. How can people get a hold of you if they want to learn more? Absolutely. So online, we are uh, brianmarketinggroup.com. Um, you can reach me. I'll give you my personal email. Ooh. Ooh. Jbryan <laughs> at brianmarketinggroup.com. And then Michelle? Well, my personal email is mpicard at brianmarketinggroup.com. Fantastic. Well, thank you guys again for joining me. This has been enlightening for me and hopefully, you know, those new investors out there will get some nuggets of information out of this too. So for all of our listeners out there today, thank you for joining us and have a great day. Mm-hmm.